0: As we continue in our series, Organic Spirituality, you know, we we don't build a spirituality. It flows out of union with Christ. It flows out of what God has given us and who we are in Christ. The prayers of Jesus define our praying. The prayers of Jesus... Define our praying. Please turn in your New Testaments to John 17, verses 20 through 23. And these are the words of Jesus of Nazareth. I do not ask for these only, but I also ask For those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may be also in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. That they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me. That they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me. And know that I have loved them, even as you have loved me. The prayers of Jesus define our praying. So... Why did the Son of God even need to pray? I mean, that's a fair question, right? Why did the Son of God even need to pray? And what were his prayers like? And why is that important to us this morning? I want to look at the prayers of Jesus that define our praying. Why did the Son of God need to pray? Well, the Son of God needed to pray because it says in Philippians 2 that when Christ came from the Father, He emptied Himself. He made Himself nothing and and took upon Himself the form of a servant being made in human likeness. He humbled Himself. He became a man and became obedient even to death, even death on the cross. In other words, God Almighty, the second person who always existed, took up real humanity, our humanity, to take our place. And as a real man who got hungry, who got very tired, He was also a real man who needed His Father. And needed to pray to His Father and and. And we read that his father refreshed and strengthened him and he loved to pray to his father. He didn't just need to pray, he loved to pray. So what were his prayers like? We might not know except for this passage and the Lord's Prayer. What his prayers were like? Well, I, I tell you, that it was, it was like closeness. It was like intimacy, because it was. And, and what we see in the prayers of Jesus is that he is deeply desiring to go and spend time with his Father. And all through the Gospels, he typically leaves everybody else. And kind of disappears to solitary places where he can just be with his father. Luke 5.16 is a great example. It says Jesus himself would often slip away into the wilderness and pray. That was kind of what he did. He would often do that. Matthew 14.23 says after he had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray and when it was evening, he was there alone with God. Luke six twelve. This is an amazing passage. It was at this time when he went off to the mountain to pray. And he spent the whole night in prayer to God. And then finally, Mark 1, 35, In the early morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, And went away to a secluded place and was there praying. And by the way, that's when everybody was piled up at Peter's mother-in-law's house to be healed. And they couldn't find him. And they looked all around, but they didn't think to look in the place where he would be. Out in a secluded place. And they found him praying. And they said, why aren't you up here with us? And he said, let's go to other villages so I can preach the good news for that's why I've come forth. But you, you get this feeling of, of a deep desire to leave everything else and be with his father, this kind of one on one intimacy that was so meaningful to the Son of God. But but the place that we really see what his prayers are like is, is in John seventeen. I mean, it's right here in John 17 that our praying is defined by him. This is by far the longest prayer that Jesus ever prayed that, well, that was just recorded in the Bible. And we are so thankful for John 17 because not only do we get to see what Jesus was praying about and maybe why he was praying and therefore what should be important to us, we get to see Jesus' heart before the Father and what prayer was like for Jesus. Yes, the Son of Man needed to pray, pray and the prayers of Jesus are intimate, they are beautiful, they are vulnerable... And they are bold. So the prayers of Jesus, yes, he needed to pray. They they were intimacy. Remember, the prayers of Jesus are what define our praying as Jesus' followers. So how does this define our praying? Well, could we start with maybe this? If the Son of God needed to pray, guess what? You need to pray. (laughs) Can I just say that again? It's just a truism. If the Son of God needed to pray, you and I need to pray. So I'm just going to start with an appeal for for you and I to, to be about prayer. And here in John 17... Our praying is defined by Jesus because Jesus defines us in who we are before the Father. When we pray, it is here in this prayer that Jesus is talking about our intimate union, oneness with himself, with the Father, and as we'll learn With other believers. Verse 20, I do not ask. And by the way, the first part is is his prayer for his disciples that were with him. You know, this is in the Garden of Gethsemane before he's going to be arrested. So he's praying for his followers. The second part that that I'm looking at today and we're considering is when he shifts over to pray for us. He says, I do not ask for, for these, the disciples only, but also for those who will believe. That's us. Who will believe in me through their word being passed down, that they may be one, one, just as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, that they may also be in us. And we go down to verse 23. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and that you have, that I have loved them, just the way you have loved me. That's an incredible amount of love, isn't it? So what 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 we see here in terms of like why we would pray and what that might be like, we see a compelling reason. That we must pray. Jesus prays because there is a a loving and intimate oneness and connection between He and the Father. And He yearns to be with His Father and to, to, to pray within that loving connection. You understand, Jesus didn't have to dial up the Father in prayer. He's in the Father. This closeness. So he prays in this place of, of great intimacy. And, and dare I say, comfort? And strength. So prayer is kind of something natural for, for Jesus. Kind of like a kind of kind of like some kind of breathing. Being in the Father and the Father being in him. And the Father is there, but I also love how Jesus shuts everything and everybody else out so that he can be about that oneness verbally, pouring his heart out to God. Interesting, as you read John 17, you don't just see kind of um, a detached prayer list. Lord, pray for these people, pray for these people, pray for these people. You see Jesus, the Son of God, just pouring His heart out to God. You see this kind of need being being met as this great anguish and these great desires for His disciples and, and His desires for us are just kind of poured out to God. Nothing is held back between Jesus and His Father. Now, you probably don't see any trouble You you probably don't have any trouble seeing how welcomed Jesus is before His Father. You don't have any trouble seeing how loved He is, how accepted He is, and how intimate, therefore, and heartfelt His prayers are before the Father. You say, yes, isn't that wonderful? I'm not surprised that Jesus is welcome before the Father, and that it's love, and that it's intimacy, and that it's heartfelt. But I bet, I bet, sometimes you wonder whether the Father is even listening to you at all. I bet Jesus defines our praying by defining us. Before the Father, the exact same way He defines Himself before the Father. So what is true of Jesus and the Father in this oneness, in this intimacy, in this acceptance, and in this love, that is what's true of us before the Father. And this is incredible encouragement and motivation for us to be with our Father. And to pour our hearts out uh, in heartfelt prayer before our Father. When you've put your trust in Christ for salvation, to, to, to have a relationship with the one true and living God. When you have put your, your trust in Christ and what he has done on the cross for you, you are in Christ. You're not just around Christ. You're not just kind of somehow closer to Christ. 161 times in the New Testament, the definition of what it means to be a believer, a follower of Jesus, is to be in Christ. Remember I told you the word Christians only used three times. The major word that we use for who we are any used in the New Testament. The word is a possessive word. The word is an intimate word. We, are, we belong to, to Christ. We are, we are in Christ and he is in us. Verse 21, just as Father, uh, you, Father, are in me and I am you, that they may also be in us. Verse 22, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. That is locating us in God. That's a great place to be able to pray from regardless of what's going on in our lives, regardless of how we feel, regardless of how emotionally we might feel distant from God, because this is not a technique. This is a fact. This is a gospel fact that defines our praying. It's wonderful. You don't have to, to gin up a bunch of good feelings to pray. God, you see, welcomes us in prayer. So in this sense, God is not even a prayer away. I mean, we get why people say that. Because, you know, in the, in people reach out. There's other ways of talking about prayer in the Bible. But really, in the sense of our being located, the way Jesus is located in His prayers in John 17, God is not a prayer away. He's not just one prayer away. He's not even just a heartbeat away. We are in Christ. In the Father. And if you are a believer in Christ, don't ever think, I mean never, you have no justification To think that you have been pushed out by God? That you are somehow being ignored by God? That may be your perception. That is not true. The gospel fact is that you and I, if we put our trust in Christ, are in Christ based on His work that could not did not fail it is finished you can't make it any better you can't make it any worse this is how his prayers define our praying you're there therefore talk to him he loves you you you, you don't have to get all complex you don't have to get all $10 theological words with God. God knows theology better than you. I don't know if you realize that. You can just bring yourself to the realization that you're there. And He's listening, He's welcoming our prayers. This is the good news. I mean, look. Don't run from God. Don't be deceived, auger down into the reality of union with Christ. We don't pray to get God to show up through our prayers. God's already there. That's why we pray. Let me say that again, We don't pray to get God to show up in our lives. He's already there, and we are in Christ. That's why we can go to Him. That's why we will not be fooled. Because it's true. And we realize the truth. That's why we will not be isolated. Because He will never leave us or forsake us. He's there and listening. That's why... We pray. And this is not a technique. It is a fact of the gospel. And you know, just real quickly, it's, it's even better than that. In Hebrews 7.25, we learn that Christ himself... Is right there in, in union with us. And Christ himself is praying for us while we pray. Christ himself is interceding. means just praying for us. Interceding for us. Uh, Hebrews 7.25, he not only saves us to the uttermost, he ever lives to make intercession for us. Isn't that great? You say, "Ah, oh, I just don't think I can pray. Ah, oh, I feel so distant from God. You're not. I mean, you may feel distant from God. I'm not trying to say that's not true. That may be true. You're not. You're still located in Christ, and uh, and He still ever lives to make intercession for you. Romans eight twenty six. You know it's that wonderful verse about the Holy Spirit, who is interceding for us with groanings that that are so deep that we can't even utter what He is saying. On our behalf to God, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Do you ever feel like you don't know what to pray? Do you ever feel like maybe your prayers aren't enough? Do you ever feel that way about your prayers? Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Does that motivate you? To just pour your heart out to your Father who loves you? It does me. Do you see the welcome? Do you see the intimacy? Do you see the oneness out of which real prayer flows? I don't know about you. I have to remind myself of these facts all the time. Our human hearts are so fickle. And we live in a fallen world of deception and half deceptions and there's there's just all kinds of, of, of flow and coming and going and, and all kinds of things going on in a fallen world and in the hearts of real sinners like you and I, who are loved by God. And I need to remind myself of these gospel facts, and so do you, so that the enemy will not succeed in discouraging me or you or isolating me or you from the recognition, the knowledge, and therefore the, the activation of this real prayer out of real union and connection. And I need to keep reminding myself of these gospel facts so I won't stop praying. You understand what I just said? So I won't just get discouraged and stop praying. Um, There is a song that I heard about a month and a half ago. I'm only going to give one verse, don't worry. Um, I bet you I've listened to this song 20 or 30 times. I had not counted, you can tell. It's, it's a song about the loyal love of God by a, an artist who's quite popular now named Lauren Daigle. And what the song is about is just about how tenacious this love of God is, how real this closeness is, and the song is called Loyal. Here it is. You are always there for me. You listen every time I speak. You look into my eyes and see the things I hide and say that you will never leave. Your promises I cannot break. And you know, and I know, you will never change. Your love is loyal. More faithful than the rising sun, this grace for me I can't outrun. Your love is loyal. See, God's not like people. And and, and one day you wake up and, and you can't you, not, that that person's not who they were or, or they've moved away or you know what I'm saying. The, the people in a fall, it's it's kind of fluid. God's love is loyal. God. Why? Let me just ask the question. Instead of saying it, well, let me ask you this question. Why you? Why in the world? Why me? I don't know. But it's love, it is love impaled on a cross. It is love of a high priest making a once and for all sacrifice as the final lamb of God to take away my sins and your sins. It is love, it is relationship, it is union, and it'll always be there because he will always be there. Why you, I don't know. But wouldn't it be great today if through John seventeen we could we could look at Jesus' prayers and say Okay, the closeness that Jesus has with the Father, the love that Jesus experiences as He needs to pray with the Father, the comfort that Jesus receives, the refreshment that He receives from the Father, that's mine. Because just as Christ is in the Father, I am in Christ and I am in the Father. And they are in me. I am in Christ, and he will never leave, and I can always pray. You can always pray. You see, you and I, if you've put your trust in Jesus, you and I can have a real sense of relief with the Lord. I don't know if you look at prayer that way. I don't know if it's like something you're going to get done with your list, and that's fine, by the way. But it's like being in Christ, with Christ, with the Father. When we look at prayer this way, prayer can bring a sense of relief with the Lord, almost a feeling of being held, not just being nearby. Being in, being held, being embraced, and being able to trust His love. Therefore, being able to be completely, completely vulnerable and honest before your Father who already knows and has welcomed you through the blood of Jesus into into this prayer to be able to trust His love and entrust the prayers of your hearts to Him. You see, this isn't just an austere audience with a king. It's, a, it's an audience with the king, but it's not just an audience, an austere audience with the king. This is more of an embrace than it is simply a proximity to God. This is prayer union. This is in Christ, not near Christ or near God. And this was Jesus' prayer. This is what Jesus' prayer is like in John 17. We could have several sermons, like a series on everything that Jesus prayed and why those things are important. This morning, I'm just kind of looking at what that's like for Jesus to pray. And Jesus says, well, guess what? That's I'm in you. You're in me. I'm in the Father. You're in the Father. And He defines our praying by His prayer. But finally, I want you to notice, um, and you just can't, I don't think you, you can't not mention this because it's so central to the text and to the prayer and to this motif of what it's like to pray. That's the, not the only oneness that we see in this prayer. The only, it's not just that, that we have oneness with Christ and, and with the Father and, and by extension with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus is praying specifically for our oneness with one another and for our oneness with believers. I mean, there is not only a common place of being loved by God, but a common family to love. There is a purpose together that we have following Jesus, and it presents, it is supposed to present to the world as unity that comes out of union that others Jesus say might see and believe father that you sent me let's just i'm going to read this again and, and now from this angle that it's not it's union with each other as well verse 20 of John 17 i do not ask for these only but also those who will believe in me through their word that they may all be one. There it is. That they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory you've given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, Father, even as you and I are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know, this is the third time, so that the world may know that you sent me and that I have loved them just as you, Father, have loved me. So that's the other connection that 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 kind of informs us out of jesus prayer that we can't have union with christ and therefore be in the father without union with one another christ is the head we're the body you can't have a head without a body you can but that doesn't work out too good and oh when the watching world sees what it means for Christ and His truth and His grace and His love to be our head and for us to love one another. This is what creates hunger for this grace and truth. You know, Paul went out into the Gentile world. He was the apostle to the Gentiles. I mean, you already know this, but it's still staggering just how the Gentile world was just inundated with the growth of the gospel and the church. And, you know, you look into the old sources, and I don't mean just Christian sources of talking about what that was like to be there, and we have those. I don't mean the Bible. I'm talking about other sources. But we even have other sources pagan sources of people reflecting on Christians and what they thought about Christians. And that famous line uh, talks about how they're the best citizens in the Roman Empire and all this. But it's like, it says this, see how they love one another. And Jesus would say that we might be one So that the world may believe that you sent me, Father. We too, 2,000 years later, are to act out on this union with Christ so that the world can see Christ in us. Anchored in Jesus' prayer, anchored in our prayers, we are called to love our brothers and sisters. Right here in this sanctuary, right here in this local body, right here in the greater Jackson area where God has providentially put us across the lines of social strata, of race, of culture and cultures, and even geography. And we are to pray for them and we are to be there for them and love them as God shows us how. Because this is what union with Christ out of Jesus' prayer looks like in the world. That's a challenging thing, isn't it? Just as we have union with Christ and need to realize it, we have union with believers and need to realize this too. And it changes how we see people. This prayer of Jesus defines how we pray. It changes how we see people. You did not make your brothers and sisters be your brothers and sisters. God did. And he has given them to us as a gift. And I know right now that there are lots of cross currents and I know that there are a lot of things that people are trying to discern and the guilt of certain people uh, that are accused of doing certain things. And I, I don't know what the truth to all of that is, but I know that I'm to love my brothers and sisters in Christ. I may not know, have to know who's guilty and who's innocent. God has not left that to me or to you. But I can at least try to understand where people are coming from, whether people are guilty or innocent. And I can pray for the unity of the body. And I can pray for grace and love and peace to come through our brothers and sisters. In all kinds of situations. That's just one situation. And I'm referring to the one out in St. Louis right now. But you know what? It all starts with union with Christ. And basically what it's saying is this. The closer we draw to Christ in God, the closer we can draw to one another. In Christ, let me close, you, don't know why, you have been brought in. In Christ, you are loved, and He will never let you go. In Christ, you don't get to define what that relationship is. It's already defined by Christ, and it is finished And he or she is mine. You don't get to tell God that you're so great. You don't get to tell God that you're not worthy. It is what it is in Christ. The perfect atonement before a holy God that brings peace between us and God. But more importantly, not just the forgiveness, the union, the relationship. And in Christ, you can talk to God, not to get Him to show up, but because He is there. In Christ, and some of you haven't done this in the longest time. You know how women say, I just need to have a good cry? I'm not sure what they mean by that, but I've heard them say that. Well, maybe we just need to have a good prayer to pour our hearts out to God. And say, God, here's what it is. And here's what goes bump in the night in my life, God. Here's what terrifies me. Here's what scares me. Here's what encourages me. Maybe it's time that we have, you have one of those prayers. You can, in Christ, pour your heart out to God. And what a relief. What an embrace. And what a world! changing thing that really is may you pray like Jesus prayed in union with his father in intimacy with his father let's pray God, I'm just kind of staggered by this. Because I'm just me. And these people that we love, they're just themselves. And Lord, whether it's me or them, it is an interesting package of things. But you see it all. And you have loved us from before all worlds. In him. And you have sent your only Son to become one of us who needed to pray and who is showing us and defining our prayers for us. Who died on the cross for us that we might have the same love of the Father that he enjoyed. Who rose from the dead so that we might ever live with the One who ever lives to intercede for us. Know that it's going to be okay. Know that when we are recognizing this union, when we are pouring our hearts out, and not only just our hearts about ourselves, but when we are pouring our hearts out about things that we see going on for people and to people that trouble us, things that we see in our world, things that that we dream of and kingdom dreams of the Word of God covering the earth like the water covers the sea, of the peace of God coming to this world through the Prince of Peace. We can pray. Would you, in the words of your other prayer, would you protect us from the evil one so that we will not become isolated discouraged, lonely and cut ourselves off from prayer bring our prayer lives alive in you we pray in Jesus name, Amen